When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They're back. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, yo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox postgame show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson, the host of the CHGO White Sox postgame show. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And alongside me, as always, is Herb Lawrence. Hello. Herbie Shuns- Her Sunshine. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. We'll be joined by Vinny Duber from Guaranteed Rate Field a little bit later uh, a little bit uh, later on in the show. And you can follow Vinny on Twitter at Vinny Duber. The White Sox do win tonight. They win four to two, and like I said, Herb, they're back, baby. You know, after going two and nine in their last eleven, Miguel Cairo said they needed to win this one for Tony. Here you go. They got to win. I mean, you got the big bastard on the bump doing what he does, and the White Sox finally, well, yesterday they did too, but uh, hitting the ball over the fence feels good. Alessandris hitting that ball over the fence, and then uh, Pollock before that hitting the ball over the fence, and the White Sox played a pretty much flawless game. They played a Game, maybe not the one we thought they would play, but a clean game versus these Kansas City Royals and showed them who's better tonight. And we went with Jose Abreu and Aloy Jimenez and, of course, the two hitting home runs for the Sox, Elvis Andrews and uh, A.J. Pollock. And, of course, Elvis Andrews is the one blasting at 430. Um, Looking like a home run derby shot on that one off Chris Bubich. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, it's good to get a victory off of Chris Bubich, but also perplexed us for innings on innings. I was like, are we going to be the White Sox again versus this bum again? But no, they finally broke out, and you had the big bastard shove like he should. The only blemish on his mark was that blast. Speaking about blast, mm-hmm. that Bobby Witt Jr. is a problem. He's an this, issue. This whole Royals thing is a problem. they are got only power-hitting young players. Him, the Prado guy, Vinny Pasquatino, mm-hmm. he's fucking good. MJ Melendez, and their veteran is like 31 years old. Right. And I'm glad <laughs> Salvi Perez sat out tonight because he probably would hit a ball over the fence too. Probably. I don't know what his numbers are versus uh, Lance Lynn, especially him being such a heavy, dominant fastball guy. Um, but oh, yeah, if it's in the zone. He's, you know he's going to be swinging at it. Right. <laughs> Even if he's outside of the zone. I mean, Lucas Giolito threw one in the lefty batter box yesterday, and he took it out. Um, I, I hate pitching that guy. Yeah, and I thought there was a stat that somebody put out there. I don't know if it was a Kamka or one of the people at a, you know, a national stats place that that ball that uh, Salvi Perez hit out yesterday was the farthest ball outside the zone hit for oh, really? a home run this year. Damn, I did not know that. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it's a ridiculous swing. Anything above the belt and <laughs> that he can extend his arms on uh, will probably be a home run. And here's the bad news for White Sox fans. Salvi Perez still has three more years on his contract and a club option in 2026. So you might be seeing four more years of Salvi Perez in a Royals uniform. Um, and especially, like you said, Bobby Witt. MJ Melendez, Vinny Pascatino. I haven't even um, talked about the middle infielders. I mean, Nicky Lopez had a good year last year, and we see what Michael Massey does, pride of uh, Illinois. 
No other school in in Illinois. <laughs> yeah, right. U of I. Well, especially when he's field, fielding a, a bases loaded ground ball and doesn't, you know, realize, hey, I could go home for the force out. It, well, yeah, he could have. Huh? I mean, that's Brother Rice education for you. Hey, knock it off here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, for, I forgot he went to Brother Rice until he, I have uh, something dubious to talk about. <laughs> um, at least the most, uh, you know, uh, relaxing thing to see about the Royals is Prado and Massey are their top uh, two of their top three prospects. So you don't have too much worry that they're going to have some other like Julio Rodriguez character coming up uh, from the minor leagues. Their number one prospects, Gavin Cross, he is 21 years old, Ugh. an outfielder, but his ETA isn't until 2025. So we still got about three years um, until uh, Gavin Cross is giving us an issue. And in their eighth prospect, Drew Waters is up, but he hasn't made too much of an impact for them just yet the White Sox win four to two and mainly it's because of Lance Lynn and his big bastardness let's talk about the pitching lines from today's game Lance Lynn went seven innings allowing four hits one earned run no walks and eight K's Chris Bubich six innings five hits two earned runs four walks and one K for Bubich before we get into him Lance Lynn was pretty damn big bastardy today looking like the old Lance Lynn the 2021 Lance Lynn tonight yeah and usually you know the fastball is dominant it was today people were missing on outside fastballs like cutters just are on the outside corner especially versus left-handers but that one inning I forgot who he struck out specifically but he was using his curveball almost exclusively and it looks like a slurve like a, a slider curve and the arc of the pitch it has most more uh, horizontal than vertical break so I was like is that a slider and you looked it up you're like you know that's probably his curve but today he's using it more like a slider and it was very effective he was doing it from the inside corner of a right-hander it would look like it would be hitting there and then it would be tailing off to the left uh side of the uh uh bears box in the uh, strike zone and he was just on his game i've been very encouraged and you showed the uh, stats before the game i think his last eight starts or seven starts he's been sub three era Giving up solo home runs for the most part. This is his ninth home run in these eight starts. But a solo shot, and that's all he's given up. I had no problem with him getting replaced by Kendall Graveman in the eighth inning. I would have been fine with him coming out. But Miguel Cairo just decided to go to his big-time setup guy, and he got the job done in the eighth inning. And then the one run by um, uh, Hendricks in the, uh, oh, yeah. in the ninth inning. You know, he's been kind of shaky lately, but I think that's mostly because of rust. He hasn't been pitching a lot because the White Sox have been struggling a lot lately. Right, and I mean, it's just one run, um, and it was two out, uh, triple Michael by a. Mike, Taylor. Michael A. Taylor, which then was kicked around in right field as well. I mean, I feel like that ball should have got in a lot quicker. So the White Sox defense kind of letting down uh, I mean, Liam Hendricks there. If it, was if it that Gavin Sheets at the ninth inning? I believe so. Yeah, I mean, he made that nice diving catch to help Lance Lynn, I think, in the sixth inning. So he gets a reprieve there because... He made a good catch from making up from that terrible slide yesterday and then kicking the ball into center field. You know, he's a first baseman, so we need to address that in the outfield. I mean, in the offseason, so he either goes back to first base or as a designated hitter or off this team because, yeah, his right field is not as atrocious as Mr. Vaughn's. But it's still not great. Yeah, one of the four probably needs to go, whether it be uh, Gavin Sheets, Andrew Vaughn, Eloy Jimenez, or, or uh, Jose Abreu. What are you looking at here? Uh, I said Kyle Hendricks, and you said Vinny LaRusso. 
That's true. And hey, Paul Correct got blocked by Steve Stone tonight. So uh, hats off to you, uh, Paul Correct, for talking shit about Steve Stone and immediately getting that block button. Uh, proud of you for that one. Ken Hines asking, why did Hendricks get the save? Because there was a three-run deficit in the ninth inning, and he got three outs. Yeah. Basically it. I don't I don't understand the question. Yeah, um, I mean, it's either, you know, you, can, you come in the game when there's your team is up three runs or less, and or if he at least has a lead, you get the save. Or right. if the... Time runs on deck. Or you get the save and you close out the game. If you throw th- the last three innings of any game. Correct. So those are the three ways that you can get uh, a save. Uh, Lance Lynn in his last eight games, 48 and one-third innings pitched, Damn. 14 earned runs. Mm. And uh, let's just do some quick math because I'm the math guy. 48 plus 8, 56. So in 48 and one-third innings, uh, Lance Lynn in the past eight games has 56 strikeouts. So he's been absolutely phenomenal for the Sox. And you mentioned that curveball usage. I think it's been something interesting uh, seeing Lance kind of bust this out because the velocity hasn't been there. Um, So he kind of needed to incorporate another pitch, kind of like uh, we've seen Johnny Cueto. Mm -hmm. Johnny Cueto's been a guy that can rely on any pitch at any moment, be a guy of five pitches, kind of throw them on shuffle. And Lance Lynn, I think, kind of has embraced that a bit with his diminished velocity. If we can go to the pitch mix here uh, for Lance Lynn and look at what he threw today, it was very varied. Um, he threw the forcing fastball, the cutter, the curveball, th- uh, the third most, which I, I think is probably you know pretty shocking. He's mainly forcing fastball, cutter, sinker. Mm-hmm. But he goes forcing fastball, cutter, curveball, sinker, change, and slider today. So he's busting out six pitches, trying to keep guys off balance, not really messing with his timing like Johnny Cueto does, but able to pull from a deep bag of tricks. And the main thing that sticks out for me, 30 call strikes plus whiff, a called strike whiff percentage of 33%. Major League average is 27%. Lance Lynn knows how to dominate a strike zone. He's not going to mess around. He's not going to nibble. He's not going to walk, guys. It's something I really, really appreciate watching a healthy Lance Lynn. I know a lot of people were discouraged from the way he started this year, but with the long layoff, with his injury, I think that he's shown you that the ramp up has been completed. He is fully ready to go and... In his last, I think, nine starts, eight of them have had six-plus Ks. So he is kind of finding that dominant uh, stretch of of his season. And we talked about this as a positive. Lance Lynn, kind of having that slow start to his season, might have more in the tank to give to this rotation. He might be a huge piece. Dylan Cease and Johnny Cueto have kind of carried this rotation for a large part of this year. Michael Kopech at points as well. But really, I mean, as long as Lance Lynn's able to stay healthy, I think that he'll have that gas that he didn't have last year to finish off this season strong and continue to be a horse for the Sox. Yeah, and the 57% on the called strikes plus whiffs for that curveball is filthy. He only threw it 14 times. That is a very economical pitch. He brought it out when he needed it and it looked like I don't know what inning it was. I think it was maybe the fifth inning where he just needed to get guys out and he threw like five in a row and he was filthy with it. But Lance Lynn, at this point where it seems like he's building up the strength, his velocity seems decent now, and mixing in pitches, the slider, only one slider today, it's just very weird. But I'm saying that that curveball has slider-like tendencies, and it was baffling Kansas City Royals pitchers, uh, hitters all throughout that inning. And if Lance Lynn is this, he might jump Johnny Cueto as our number two, and, you know, we're five games out, and so we're very discouraged, and this might be all for naught. More likely, it's all for naught. Lance Lynn just having a strong second half just to pitch up until October 6th and then say goodbye. But if the White Sox find a way to get into this fucking tournament, 
Lancelin's going to be a big time part of that, and he's going to shove in the October uh, season. Unless they play the Astros, because then I don't want to see Lance Lynn up against the Astros. Uh, Jared, I, I'm I'm a roll dice. I mean, I would right. love to see the Astros. I would love to see that would be the greatest thing in the world because hey. that would mean the White Sox would at least get to the ALDS. You're not wrong. Um, a couple questions here. Shytown fanboy saying, "Am I the only one that noticed Lynn squatting between pitches and grimacing?" We kind of noticed you that it. in the fifth inning. I think it was exactly when we were you're talking about. He yeah. threw a, a curveball to Prado, and then four straight to uh, Michael A. Taylor, and then he ended up lining out to uh, Pollock in center field. It seemed like it was a weird finish, but I'm yeah, not you sure. Called it if- off. Like right when he finished, he's like, "Oh, he landed weird," and he like he kind of did like a he like finished his pitch and finished his motion all the way, but it looked herky and jerky. And I was like, mm, "It didn't look correct," but he didn't see him. He came back out for the next inning, so he was fine. But ninety-one pitches, they decided to take him out for the eighth inning. And I thought it was all right move. Yeah, I think it was an all right move. Um, and I think too, like the, when we went back and saw it, it felt more like he was kind of finishing his. Uh, his his motion more yeah. it just kind of felt like it was more of a deliberate way to finish his motion so I'm not entirely sure what was going on with Lynn we'll see if Vinny has any update or if he says anything about his back but what we know from Vinny about Lance Lynn is the guy's not too talkative after yeah. uh, games wins or losses you want to talk about Herbie Sunshine it's Alex Rude is Alex Rude Sunshine look at that that's why he added these pitches Sean Getting killed by the Astros, not because of Cueto. Lance Lynn has thrown a curveball his entire career. Knock it off, Alex. Nope. I, I, I think that you've seen the curveball increase the more and more he has pitched this year. I, I think. So I, I could be wrong. You're we'll probably have a little, wrong. I mean, we'll I have tr- a little nerd off between I tr- Alex and I. I trust Alex Rude. I don't. Slightly more than you. Really? Just slightly more. He's we're, like, we're he's like, an, he's, like an, he's like an accountant. He, like, knows numbers My mom's an shit. accountant. Does that help? You don't get it by, like, Earth, it's not genetic. It's not like Shelly and Dave Duncan. The, no, I would be the, a good a good cook. The ability then. to pitch, um, and I'm not. <laughs> is your mom a good cook? Oh, the best. This this right here. <laughs> she well, made this, you. This is what created it. Yeah, uh, so. Body by Linda. Yeah. Um, looking at Lance Lynn's start this year, uh, he started off using the curveball at nine percent, but then after the July sixth date, it dropped off to around three percent, and then it started to kick back up around July 29th to five percent, and then basically since August, it's been above nine percent. It did take a dip on August 19th to three point two, but it was at fifteen percent today, or fifteen percent. Um, in his last start, and then today, what was it at, Steven? 14, I believe. He used 14. 14 pers- pitches, I think it was almost at 14%. Okay, so about 14%. So, um, yeah, 15%. So, I mean, similar usage. I, it, it, there has been an increase this year. Um, I'm not sure exactly what. I don't think it's because of the Astros. I, I think that's too, you know, like. You don't think Lance Lynn has a designs on playing the Astros again and getting this bugaboo out of his, off his back? But but he'd be working on his curveball because of that. Like I I don't know, I don't know. I, f- I find it odd that he'd be doing it just for the Astros, because I mean it, he hadn't he didn't have the Astros on his schedule. No, I'm just I'm, I'm thinking that Lance Lynn was thinking at the beginning of the year in the off season. Hey, you know what? The Astros have my number. Why do they have my number? I'm throwing a bunch of fastballs and they just tee off on me. Let me throw something in the mix. Let me increase my usage of my curveball. And that's not a typical 12-6. Like I said, it's got a little hook to it, so it's more of a slurve. And so, like Alex says, yeah, you don't think that the lasting image of the season, having your fastballs get killed by the Astros, isn't motivation enough to work on your breaking stuff so you can switch up to the pitch mix? But what I would say to that, then, is 
Why wouldn't he be using his slider more? I, I, I just think that is a better pitch because what we know about breaking balls in this day, anything over 85 mile per hour breaking ball wise is a effective breaking ball pitch. His slider is basically closer to average compared to his curveball. You look at his slider um, compared to average movement, 0.7, minus 0.7 on his slider vertical movement and minus 1.6 on his horizontal movement. His curveball, minus 5.6 inches, uh, minus 5.6 average inches uh, against the average. So uh, his his pitch moves 5.6% less vertically, uh, his curveball compared to the major league average and about... My, uh, Minus eight percent vertically. So I mean, his his slider is, a, I think, a better pitch. And I have no, you know, data to back this up, but I'm sure that that cutter and the curveball work well together. Being as the cutter usually is using versus left-handers, he's keeping it outside the zone on the outside, uh, like in the right-handed batter's box, and then the sliders or the curveballs coming into you, and so off the same uh, tunneling vision, you would say, okay, that looks like a cutter but it comes 81 miles per hour and you're way in front of it and you're swinging over the top of it if you're a left-handed guy. Yeah. Which the, which the Astros have a bunch of. Yeah. He didn't use the slider much last year. He used the curveball more. He didn't actually throw the slider last year. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, as, as Alex said, yeah, you see your pitches getting hit and you tell people keep on saying you can't pitch versus the Astros because you suck. Why do you suck in particular versus that team? That team is a good hitting team in general and over all over his fastball. So I got to throw a little monkey in that wrench, and maybe he's using it and working it out a little bit greater tonight. You said it was like 3%, then increased up to 9%. Now it's 15%. Now he wants to put this into people's minds. Hey, I got this curveball for y'all. Y'all better not be teeing off on my fastball. Don't just sit there for the slider or the, uh, the cutter or the sinker. You won't get that curveball in your hand. And you're going to be striking out a lot. Well, and I want to go up to Jared because I think it's a, an, an interesting question. Um, it's a little bit up um, right there. Not sure what to make of Lynn this season. The recent sample size is great and all, but should we recognize the team he's pitching against too? Um, so that eight-game sample size that we've talked about, uh, three against Kansas City, two against Cleveland, one against Detroit, one against Oakland, and one against Baltimore. I hear the point, but in his other starts, his first seven starts, he played Minnesota twice, Cleveland once, San Francisco, Baltimore, Toronto, and Detroit. Nope. So Baltimore and Detroit overlapped. He played Cleveland already. He played, uh, and then, yeah, he hit him face Minnesota just yet. Um, so really the only difference there, Toronto, Minnesota, San Francisco. I, I don't know if it really plays too much into a factor, especially him coming off a back injury. And we've seen White Sox pitchers who have come back, Giolito or other pitchers who face subpar teams, get hit around a lot. So I know that the opponent is not awesome and it's not like a team that is great, but the Kansas City Royals have done work for the White Sox this year. And to shut them down, even though Salvi Perez wasn't in the lineup, is a pretty good trick he did today. I know that you want him to do this versus the Yankees and the Astros every time he goes out. But he can't. He can only face the teams who are in front of him. I think his next start will be versus Seattle. So, yeah, Seattle. They'll be uh, on the road. So, so. it'll be a good test. Yeah, I mean that's that's a playoff team right now. So in Seattle, we'll we'll see if he if he's able to repeat this. But even if he doesn't, I mean he just gave you, you know, nine decent starts in a row. I mean he's he's kind of two for a break, I guess. I mean it'd be Seattle with a good start, and then Oakland. So, let's so see. There, there you go. <laughs> With a huge fucking uh, sidelines and uh, out of play 
oh man, it's gonna be so great to play in Oakland, even though I hate playing in Oakland. Well, and he's going to actually, uh, he's he's going to lead off that series against Seattle on Labor Day against Marco Gonzalez. So it's going to go Lynn Cueto, uh, and then I guess Davis Martin. That's what it's currently listed. Davis Martin versus Luis Castillo. Wonder who's going to win that one? Probably the Seattle Mariners. Anyways, before we get too much into that, because I don't even know if Davis Martin's going to be on the team at this point. At that point, um, let's go to the um, ninth inning because I, I do think it was interesting with Liam here. I'm not too concerned about it, but the White Sox just closing out games. Even yesterday, seven runs are scored, but the pitching is what is the downfall. You get four runs today. The pitching, obviously good. Lance Lynn, fantastic. Kendall Graveman wasn't as shaky as he has been. Uh, Liam giving up a run. I don't know how you feel about the bullpen. We kind of had that uh, little segment there. We were doing five positives and five negatives, and one of the five positives was the bullpen's filthy. But Jake Diekman in nine innings, I think, has allowed 21 base runners. Mm -hmm. Liam's been a little bit shaky. Joe Kelly's been shaky as of late. Kendall Graveman's been up and down. How do you feel right now about the Sox bullpen? I have faith in four guys. James Lambert, Kendall Graveman, Renaldo Lopez, Liam Hendricks. That's pretty much it. Like, you can put, uh, you know, occasionally, I feel good when Jose Ruiz is in the game, but, you know, he had a nice, what, 14 games where he wasn't giving up anything and games that were pretty much either won by a lot or lost by a lot. But he, in high-leverage situations, I don't want him in there anymore. But Joe Kelly's been struggling. Like, he's had a nice spot, too, when he went, like, 11 games in a row where he was smooth. But we saw lately he's been... Just inconsistent. I don't know what's wrong with him this year. Maybe this was uh, bound to happen with Joe Kelly. But four guys in that bullpen I trust. And who would have thought that I would have been like, man, Jimmy Lambert is the shit. I want Jimmy Lambert in the game. Give me Jimmy Lambert now. Like yesterday, we were saying, hey, replace Lucas Giolito with Jimmy Lambert. I know they're going against left-handers. You were saying this. I know they're going against left-handers. Put Jimmy Lambert in the game instead of Tanner Banks. Put Tanner Banks in the game, and he did Tanner Banks things. And that's why Tanner Banks is in AAA today. Well, and that's part of the reason why what I wonder with was, did they just use Tanner Banks because he was going to AAA? And did they not want to use an arm that would have been on the team tomorrow? I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, they need as much starting pitching they, as they can get down there in Charlotte. So... If they would did that, just they had Tanner Banks extra work, they should be fired. Well, Miguel Cairo should be fired to oh. use Tanner Banks just because he's going down the next day. And that guy could be uh, given some, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, leeway, because I think he's uh, an inexperienced manager. Uh, today was only his fourth game uh, as a major league manager. You know, I, he doesn't even get credit for these because he's not an interim. He's just the acting. Yeah, we'll talk about it with Vinny. Uh, Points Bet Sportsbook is counting down the days until the football season with a new offer every day until the season kicks off. From now until September 8th, Points Bet's Power Hour will unlock a new daily offer from 12 to 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Sign up for Points Bet now using code CHGO to also get two or three bets up to $2,000. And don't miss out on your chance to get daily access to free bets, boosted odds, and so much more now through September 8th. But that's not it. If you make a $51 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from a CHGO locker. So download the PointsBet app today and use code CHGO to take advantage of this limited-time offer. Don't just bet. Live your bet life at PointsBet. If you or someone know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. You can use the PointsBet app for the first time, make that $51 deposit, get a free CHGO membership, read Vinny Duber's articles on all CHGO, and get a shirt like 
Herb's wearing. Uh, size C's. We also got a brand new uh, QB1 shirt for UCHGO Bears fans. And if you're looking to take care of yourself, our next partner has a product I use literally every day to take care of myself. Herb uses it every day. I started taking AG1s because they've been a longtime supporter of CHGO. They sent in free product when they first started as an advertiser, and I have been using it each and every month. It has a kind of mild tropical taste that I look forward to each and every morning. And with one delicious scoop of AG1, I absorb 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, or superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help me start my day right. It helps my gut health, my nervous system, my immune system, my ability to focus, my ability to have energy at 1030 to talk about the White Sox at this point, all of the important things to help you make your day go the way you want it to. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and Athletic Greens has over 7,002 five-star reviews, those extra two coming from Herb and I. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and it- it's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for millions of different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash chgosocks. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash chgosocks to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Again, athleticgreens.com slash chgosox. Let's go out to Guaranteed Rate Field and talk to our CHGO White Sox beat writer, Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber wearing the tavern style pizza shirt because he is a good Chicagoan. Uh, we're going to talk to him about Tony La Russa. We did get an update from the White Sox on Tony before today's game from the Sox following a medical evaluation this morning. Chicago White Sox manager Tony La Russa now is scheduled over the coming days to undergo additional testing in Arizona by his personal physicians. His absence from the club will be indefinite pending the results of these evaluations. Bench coach Miguel Cairo will continue to serve as acting manager uh, in La Russa's absence. Like Herb was saying, acting manager that record is going to count towards Tony. Miguel's not starting his own record, but he did get his third win as acting manager over the past two years. So what was Miguel Cairo like after today's game? He was pumped, actually. He was pretty happy. I think he said uh, I think he said something along the lines of, like, Tony told him, when you when the game's over, take a deep breath, kind of a sigh of relief. And you could tell he was, uh, you know, not feeling the pressure because he talked about how much he likes this challenge. But, you know, he was intense. He was getting into the game and, you know, it was a close one, obviously. And uh, one of those ones where any move you make could, could have the game go one way or the other. So I think he was feeling the um, intensity of this game and he was happy to breathe a little bit afterwards and certainly smile because they won. But guys, Miguel Cairo's second win, not third. He had the Field of Dreams game. He managed in a game against Texas last year, which the White Sox actually lost. I know the release uh, yesterday said that he had won that one, but the White Sox actually lost that game that he stepped in for Tony last September. And then obviously last night he lost two, so he's a uh, an even two and two after this evening's win. My bad on that. I, I totally thought they won that game in September. Uh, Elvis Andres played on the 2011 World Series runner-up Texas Rangers team with Mitch Moreland, Ian Kinsler, Adrian Beltre, Josh Hamilton, Indy Chavez, uh, Nelson Cruz, Michael Young. But this, the 2022 White Sox, is the most talented team he's ever played for? He said, that's what he said. Uh, And you got to remember, too, talent and results are two very different things. But uh, I'm most concerned about you starting that list, no offense, 
to Mitch Moreland, but starting that <laughs> list with Mitch Moreland, I mean, there you had Mitch Moreland and a bunch of all-stars. So again, no offense to Mitch Moreland, but <laughs> did you even uh, name Nelson curious. Cruz? Yeah, I did. Okay. <laughs> he did. Yeah. I was curious about the order that you put that in there, Herb, but uh, yeah, listen, I, I asked Elvis, I go after the game, I go, you know, you've only been here for a little bit, but does this team look to you like a team that can make a run here that can, that can, you know, go on a winning streak and close this gap, which is already, already down to five games after going up to six games yesterday. Um, and he said, absolutely. He said a hundred percent. He looks around the clubhouse, just like all these white Sox players have been looking around this clubhouse all year and going, we got, we got the talent in here. We got the players in here to do it. Uh, it's just a matter of doing it. So um, obviously uh, no great shakes uh, or no great statements, I should say, can be made from beating the Royals by two. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was a nice day for the White Sox to be able to win this game, especially in the wake of uh, the news on Tony La Russa pregame. Yeah, before we get into that Tony stuff, uh, I'll, I'd like to stay here with the Elvis. I like the positivity. We did get a, a super chat from Stefan Bardo, so shout out to uh, Stefan for the super chat. Uh, he asked, basically, why do I have a deep feeling this team is going to make a run uh, just to lose the division by two games? We talked about the final nine games and how important those will be for the White Sox and how we think it will probably come down to those nine games. Uh, but how do the White Sox at least stay in uh, this division till the end, right? How, how do they at least crush Stephen Bardo's or Stephen Bardo's uh, dreams at the end of the season? They still need to be in the division by the end of September or, or October uh, with the, the lockout pushing the, the season back. So how does Elvis Andrews and the White Sox take that talent or how are they saying they're going to take that talent and try to be competitive the rest of the way now that they're five games back of the AL Central? Yeah, by doing that. You saw what they just did tonight? They need to do that uh, a lot. <laughs> And I think that's what Lance Lynn was kind of talking about after the game too. Is like, hey, pitching was good, offense hit some home runs and gave us the gave us you know enough runs to win. Defense was very good tonight, and uh, you know, and so that's the kind of thing we need to be doing. We need to start doing because they haven't really done that on a consistent basis all year long, as everybody well knows. So um, they need to do that again. Two home runs from this White Sox team and four runs was able to do it. Uh, there are plenty of games where Lance Lynn or any starting pitcher would have turned in a performance like they did today, which, by the way, was a terrific outing by Lance Lynn. Uh, and they, uh, the offense would have given them one or two. And who knows what the result of this game would have been had that been the case. But ball go far, team go far, and the ball left the yard and a couple of times, and it helped to build a four-run total, which, again, is nothing to shake a year, you know, nothing to uh, for anybody to go out and start a parade over. But uh, for this team to be able to do that tonight, that's the kind of game they need to be able to do a lot. And against a team like the Royals, especially, um, as we've been seeing all year long, they've kind of struggled no matter who the opponent was. Uh, when they've got these teams that they should beat, they got to beat them, and uh, they did that tonight. Did Miguel Cairo or Lance Lynn talk about uh, taking out Lance Lynn after the seventh inning with only 91 pitches thrown? I thought ultimately it was the right pitch at or right uh, decision at the time. Did any of, the, any of the guys talk about that? I know the big bastard want to stay in it as long as he can. Well, yeah, I brought that up to Miguel after the game. I'm like, hey, we've been hearing since the second he joined this team how he's going to fight anybody that tries to take him out of the game. Uh, you know, did you have to have a little argument with him or something like that? And he basically said what you just said, which was, you know, he wanted to, you know, it was kind of a no-brainer to let him go to let him go uh, uh, in into the seventh inning. And then once he finished that off, he felt like that was a good stopping point for Lance Lynn. The offense kind of made that decision for him, or at least made the decision look good had it already been made by kind of having a long inning there. They made it, they forced a pitching change after just three batters. So, it, it, you know, it had been a while uh, for Lance to sit around after uh, having 
to my memory, I believe it was a one, two, three, seventh inning. So, uh, you know, he was, uh, he was just awesome tonight. And that's the kind of thing that the White Sox have a gotten plenty of times from their starting pitchers this year, but need to keep getting from their starting pitchers. If they're going to do what Ellis Andrews thinks they can do and uh, close what is now a five run gap or a five game gap, excuse me, uh, in uh, the AL central standings. And then I want to go to Elvis just real quick because Herb said don't tweet it when it happened. I want to know your stance on this. Our guy Wayne said it in the chat. Elvis left the building. Is it corny or not to tweet that after an Elvis Andres home run? Well, I'll say this. It's literal, and so it is right there. But uh, a little low-hanging fruit for me. I, I'd like to uh, you know, try to think of something a little bit more creative. And if you're an Elvis uh, Presley fan like myself, I'd like to think that I could scan for some sort of deep cut that would uh, work a little bit better. Uh, you know, Of course, uh, the, the first thing that came to mind, Men in Black. Are we Men in Black fans here? Uh, the, the Tommy Lee Jones line from that movie, Elvis Ain't Dead, he just went home. Uh, maybe something to, to do with that uh, home home run. Elvis ain't dead. He just went home. But, uh, you know, that's always that's always been a favorite uh, line of mine from that movie. So, uh, yeah, listen, if you want to tweet it, go right ahead. Uh, it seems a little cliche for me. So I'm going to see if I can explore some other options. Since it was the first one, I didn't mind being a little bit corny with it. All right. <laughs> you win thousands of others yeah, I'll, on I'll, Twitter. I'll start. I, I tried to beat Scott Merck into it, and I don't I don't think I did. Merck had the, the fleet fingers yeah. uh, in that he one. He might have had that one copied and ready to paste. Who knows? <laughs> Probably. You know, hey, I don't blame him. Again, I, I was I was ready to tweet it. Uh, so, you know, I, I, Merck's just been, you know, saving up drafts and watching Dallas, you know, just like a good beat writer oh does. Um, I, I want to go to uh, this afternoon, uh, the announcement with Tony LaRusa that he will be out indefinitely. What more have we learned, and was there anything new uh, told to you pregame from Miguel Cairo or even postgame, if there's any newer update about Tony? Not much. I mean, everything basically that we know was included in that very short press release. Basically, what's happening is they're going. the White Sox are going to let this testing take place uh, that, that Tony is going to, to get done in, in Arizona with his personal doctors. Um, they're going to try to, you know, have information. And so I, I don't know if I can blame them for that. I definitely see the argument of, you know, getting somebody out there to, to talk about this, specifically Rick Hahn. And, and, you know, he's the guy that, that talks on all these very important matters for the team. But I also understand you don't want to go out there and, and have a 20 minute press conference about what's going on with your manager when a, you don't, you might not know what's going on with your manager and B uh, you know, that information can change. There's a reason that this absence is being described as indefinite. It is not just because it could drag on for a while, but it's also because it could be wrapped up fairly quickly. Um, all the things that are possible, I think are things that we should keep in mind right now. And that's why it's a great idea not to speculate about what's going on. Obviously there was the report from USA today, today's Bob Nightingale, uh, that pointed to him, that pointed to Tony going to, to see uh, doctors about his heart. Uh, the very serious thing. And we want to make sure that Tony is, uh, is doing well um, and that he will be back with this team just because it means that the health issues are, are, are moving in a more positive direction. So uh, that's what we would like to see. I'm sure you guys both agree. Um, it is uh, just uh, right now, very uh, limited information, whether that be because they're waiting for the whole picture to be complete or uh, they just don't know what that information is quite yet. Um, but surely in the coming days, once those tests are uh, taken care of, um, you know, we're going to have some more information. But there's no uh, exact timeline on which we would get that information. Sean and I were discussing, it looks like Lance Lynn has upped his usage of his curveball today. Two questions there. Like, did he speak about 
you know, mixing up his pitch mix today because usually he's fastball all the time and with a little curveball or change up in there, slider thrown in there. And secondly, it looks like he's fresh, you know, missing all that time early in the season. It looks like his arm is really fresh. Did he speak about his uh, stamina right now? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody uh, kind of expected a little bit of a slow return to form after the way his uh, preseason and early season was derailed because of that injury. Uh, I mean, you got to remember, not only did he miss much of spring training, but then he misses the first three months of the season or the two months of the season. So, um, you know, this is not a normal year for him. And perhaps, uh, you know, the, the timeline in which he is now feeling good is reflective of a normal season timeline where he would get into things in the earlier uh, months of the season. So uh, it is something that I think a lot of people anticipated would be an issue, um, but it looks like it's maybe been resolved. He's got a nice streak of starts now where he has been very much himself, uh, and uh, that is good. That is something that the White Sox need, as I mentioned, moving forward into the final month of the regular season here as they are still in a division race. In terms of changing up, uh, you know, kind of the approach, maybe you'll remember this was a team that he faced in, in Kansas City not too long ago, and they hit him for a few home runs and chased him out of the game. So I think he was maybe probably thinking about that and trying to make sure that uh, he didn't show them the same things that allowed them to beat him the last time. Certainly it worked in a big way today. And then I do want to know a little bit more about Luis Robert because he was plugged in in the ninth inning as a defensive replacement, but still not in the actual lineup and not on the IL. So I did see you tweet out that Miguel Cairo said it was day to day. Can they make him designated fielder? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I, I think you're seeing that kind of. I mean, obviously you can't play nine innings without coming to bat, but uh, you're seeing them trying to utilize his workable talents right now in the way that the best way that they can. You saw him pinch run uh, here. I believe it was on was that on Sunday that he pinch ran, and and you know you saw him uh, play the field tonight in a, in a time where they needed to protect a, a, what was then a three run lead. So. Um, Luis Robert, as we all know and have been talking about his entire career, can impact the game in so many ways. You want to be able to have him go out there and, and run down a fly ball if it's the difference between a win and a loss. You want him to be able to score from first or second base if it's the difference between a win and a loss. Because remember, when he is um, healthy enough to, to, to play in all facets, those are still things that he can do, that he does to win games uh, for, for, for this team. He can't do that with the bat right now because it hurts when he swings. Um, but, you know, the, the, the unfortunate part of this is that it is just, yeah, well, whenever he feels better, he'll be back in there, and they don't really know when that's going to be. They show up to the park every day hoping today will be the day, but they can't guarantee it at all. Meanwhile, they're going to try to squeeze every little bit of helpful uh, baseball that they can out of him, even if that is very short and very sporadic, as we've seen the last couple times he's been plugged in there. Have you guys been able to speak to Luis since he's been in the clubhouse for the, the, the past couple of games, since he's not been on the injured list? I, I am not sure. We have not spoken to him the last three days in which I have been here. Perhaps they talked to him, uh, whether it was those first two games of that Arizona series or in Baltimore, I'm not sure, but um, or, or, I, or I don't remember if I was sure at some point. Uh, the three last three days he hasn't spoken, but um, listen, I, I understand why people are uh, – seeing this is odd and it certainly strikes as a little bit odd what I think this is. And I'm not sure if I brought this up to you, uh, you guys the other day, maybe on our off day show, but um, 
it's it's the it's the depth at the minor league level. It's the it's the depth in AAA, and I think right now the White Sox would rather have Luis Robert make a game-saving play in center field if he can uh, you know one day out of ten than have uh, Adam Hazley up here in case three other guys get injured and Luis doesn't get to impact the game at all. And I and I understand that that's frustrating because people say, oh, you shouldn't play a man down. What if the situation arises where you run out of guys? The guys that they that they would call up to to take the spot of an outfielder on this roster uh, is not as valuable as Luis Robert missing only eight or nine games instead of in instead of ten a full ten. And I guess that's where I, my frustration with this team. You know, I, I I wish they added to the depth just because you know you even look at Project well, Birmingham did. and how they did they did add to the depth. I mean, Adam Hazley they is an outside addition. I mean, Adam Hazley is a guy they got in the off season. Uh, I mean, it could be worse. They could have not made that trade at all, and you could have been picking from. I mean, I guess it'd be Mike or Adolfo, right? I mean, it's uh, it's 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 not a great situation. But here's the thing, too: they have five guys that they play in the outfield. So, is calling up another outfielder just to take Luis Roberts' spot? You may never even play the guy. And I think your thought and everybody else who's complaining about this is probably just like, oh, but what if you're playing, you know, you want to take advantage of all the rules and and you know to be able to. What if this were to happen? Right now, in the outfield, in the White Sox outfield, there's not a very high percentage chance that you would need that player. Well, and, even and I'm not saying that's a defense. I'm just saying that is the reality. I, I agree with you that the, the reason he's still up here is is depth. Absolutely. And Luis Roberts still seemingly is above, you know, a hurt Luis Roberts is still above, uh, uh, higher on the depth chart than Adam Engel is. I mean, Adam Engel not even getting defensive replacement, not even getting at-bat. So, I mean, he's just kind of sitting on the, the Sox bench right now. But I'm just saying, like, all of their guys are currently either tied up in Project Birmingham or they're all quad A guys like Adam Hazley, Mark Payton, Mike Rodolfo. So I just don't think that they did enough to help this playoff team because, again, you're not sure. I mean, you're not going to plan for a Luis Robert injury. Um, and, and I think that I just they didn't have enough to help out or some supplement, uh, uh, supplement this this major league team. I, I don't know. It's, it's just it's, it's frustrating. That's all. And last thing I got for you, Vinny, and I know the White Sox like to have a little fun. You know, you got the Thor's hammer if a bullpen guy strikes out the side. You got the Randy Moss jerseys for both offensive and defensive players. But today, I was watching the uh, the Vaughn video in the clubhouse, and Deakman was born and raised in Nebraska. So you're thinking maybe Kansas City Chiefs, maybe Denver Broncos, maybe even Dallas Cowboys. He had a goddamn Packers helmet in his locker was he getting punished what's going on with that he's got a Nebraska Cornhuskers one too so uh, I'm guessing one of them is his pro team and one of them is his college team there uh Herb you know you you grew up in Chicago I'm sure you have multiple people you know that were uh Packer fans just uh to to get under everybody's skin right I mean, uh, you know, and, you know, what, think about how old Jake Diekman is. He's probably around the same age as I am, I would guess. Uh, you know, that was the, the heyday of Brett Favre. And if you were uh, watching TV and you uh, wanted to root for a winner, you weren't going to pick the Chicago Bears when you were a kid growing up in the 90s, that's for sure. And you were probably going to uh, lean into the Packers. Now, I'm not saying that I would ever do such a thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, come on. Hey, uh, you've got the the monsters of the midway, of course, who will happily disappoint you every fall. But uh, the uh, – Yeah, Joe Montana would've... in Kansas City. He had John Elway in Denver. He could have chose better. Closer, too. And yet – 
and yet. Uh, but yeah, there you go. So uh, I do find it funny that uh, here in Chicago, uh, the uh, White Sox locker room is decked out with uh, Vikings jerseys and Packer helmets. How about that? That's ridiculous, man. I, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, I do want to ask a little bit about the Andrew Vaughn stuff. Uh, we saw that Gavin Sheets said he saw about the Tony news on social media. Andrew said the same thing that he saw it on Twitter. And then Lucas said that he saw it on the scoreboard before he uh, entered the game yesterday. Um, has there even been a talk between the team about about what happened with Tony? I, 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 what, what have we heard anything about that? Because um, I mean, you mentioned it, Rickon. I, I believe hasn't spoken since the trade deadline, um, so we really haven't heard from any White Sox outside of the players and Miguel Cairo who have spoken in their normal times pre and post game, right? Yeah, uh, Miguel Cairo said uh, that he didn't, you know, tell the team after the game last night, you know, what what. Tony was dealing with, I, I guess, not uh, maybe super specific, but that he was going back to Arizona to, to get these tests done. Um, and then uh, he said that he probably would have a chat with the team uh, over the next few days about this Tony situation, uh, perhaps also waiting for more information and, and waiting to see how long that absence might last before, uh, you know, making a big move like that. Um Certainly one of the uh, stranger elements of the last two days has been what you just said, uh, that the players were, were finding out the way they were finding out. Um, you would think that a uh, 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 they would be aware of a team announcement coming down or something like that. But I will say this in, in you know, uh, to, to throw this information in there. This is not the first time that a, a Major League Baseball player has heard about big breaking news you know, without, uh, you know, being informed by the, the team or something like that. Um, you know, I, I can remember, uh, trade acquisitions or, or something like that, where you go to interview somebody and they're like, Oh, we did that. All right. Good job. Kind of thing. So, uh, it, it's not necessarily uncommon to be quite honest with you. Um, but it sure was, um, you know, part of this, uh, this story, the last two days. Yeah, and I mean, there's even the Christian Vasquez moment from the trade deadline uh, earlier in Houston yeah. where he's he's talking with the media on the field, and they're like, how do you feel about getting traded to Houston? And he's like, uh, what? And then they pull him off. Um, so, yeah, I, no, I totally get that. I, I just wondered, I mean, there was still an hour. You know, they, they, they made that release about, I think, 6-10. It was about an hour before the game. So I was just surprised that there wasn't even, like, a little bit of a heads up or, like, a meeting um, that they were like, hey, guys, you know, Tony's not going to be here today. Miguel's going to be the acting manager. Let's get after it. Um, but it, it seems like uh, that didn't happen, but we'll see uh, what more news comes from uh, this. And, and obviously, hopefully, uh, we wish the best to Tony Larusa in his recovery, and hopefully, he's back in the White Sox dugout soon. That's Vinny Duber. You could read his piece about. Tony LaRusso's absence and Miguel Cairo stepping in. A lot of good stuff about Miguel, Miguel Cairo not being Tony LaRusso in that piece, which I thought was great. So make sure to uh, check Vinny out on Twitter at Vinny Duber and check out his recent article at allchgo.com out. Thank you, Vinny. All right. Good night, guys. Good night. That is the CHGO White Sox beat writer, Vinny Duber. And again, you can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. And uh, a couple guys are asking, where's uh, Jake Berger? Jake Berger's out. And they had an update today from our guy Jeff Cohen down there in AAA in uh, Charlotte. He's on the aisle, cleared today to do some defensive drills, but still not swinging a bat. Maybe a while. So he's out for a while, just like Luis Robert. He can do defense. He can't do offense. I mean, 
it's usually the opposite for Jake Berger. <laughs> he's he's he's. <laughs> uh, and I do appreciate uh, Brems and Melissa saying uh, Vinny's the bomb and thanks Vinny. Uh, I should have told him about Vinny Larusa, um, <laughs> the new uh, persona that I gave to him. Uh, I want to tell you about PointsBet Sportsbook. They're counting down the days until football season uh, kicks off with a new offer every day uh, until the season kicks off. From now until September eighth, PointsBet's Power Hour unlock a new daily offer from twelve to one p.m. Central Standard Time. Sign up for PointsBet now using code CHGO to get two free bets up to $2,000 and don't miss out on your chance to get daily access to free bets, boosted odds, and so much more now through September 8th. Want to let you know about our points bet pick of the week. College football is back in the swing of things. So, Stephen, what does that mean? Oh, are we talking about the one we talked about on what bets? Are we, what are we talking about, We are Stephen? hammering Boise State's money line this week. We are hammering Boise State's money line on Saturday night. Boise State Broncos, yep. Oregon State Beavers, up in Corvallis, Oregon, the plus 120 Boise State Broncos on the money line. I love plus money. I think this is a great bet. They're a great, well-coached team. They got uh, a former linebackers, their new head coach. This is a very good mid-major program. I like Boise State plus money going into a kind of weak power five teams school or, or home stadium. I am down with Boise State. Let's go, Broncos. That's where I'm putting on uh, my money this weekend. So download the PointsBet app today and use code CHGO to take advantage of this limited-time offer. Again, use code CHGO to get two or three bets up to $2,000. And don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO to download, uh, to sign up, and take advantage of this limited-time offer. And if you or someone who has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLE for crisis counseling and referral services. Herb, we love when I get lost in the ad read. Their head coach is Andy Avalos? Mm-hmm. The weather dude? From Channel 5? That's why that name sounded familiar. I get Andy Avalos, man. It's a di- different guy. No, different sure? from the weather guy. Yeah, he's a... The he, weather guy used to do weather and owned a restaurant in the suburbs. Now he's coaching out in Boise State. Man. He retired. Andy, Andy Avalos guy is a done, man. Andy Avalos was around for 33 years? I mean, he's still with us, but yeah. Well, but, I mean, like, he was, around, he was doing the... He retired after 33 years about a year ago. Yeah. So that man's been kicking his feet up in Boise... Watching other Andy Avalos kick some ass on that blue turf. So, uh, shout shout out to that. Um, Every day you learn. I I had no idea that uh, that was why Andy Avalos was sticking out in my head. Um, I do want to talk about something now that August is over. We have seen August Abreu come and go, and it was an okay August from uh, August Abreu. Let's go through the numbers because we've talked about it a lot 2014 is when August Abreu started, his career started. He had two home runs, 16 RBIs, and slashed 376, 466, 475 for an OPS of 941. And we can just go through 2015, an 839 OPS, 2016, a 1061 OPS, 2017, a 964 OPS, 2018, a 1.056 OPS, 2019, a 1.002 OPS, 2020, hitting 11 home runs, being the MVP. Having a uh, OPS of 1.061, 2021, 10 homers, an OPS of 1.043, and then 2022, two home runs, same as 2014, 16 RBIs, same as 2017, but 333, 390, Mm. and a 405 slug, easily his lowest slugging percentage in the month of August, next lowest 475. He's only had two uh, with a slugging percentage of 400 and his OPS 
795. We love seeing that on base percentage be that high, 390. He's had eight walks in the month of August. A 333 average is great. I think he'd be fourth in major league in the month of August for hits. But the power's not there. Not there, and that's very disappointing. I mean, to say 795, which is above average for any Major League Baseball player this year, is disappointing, is ludicrous to say, but also that is. He had a subpar August to his standards. So um, we were very hyped for it because the August started off really right. I think he hit two home runs early, and we're like, all right, August Abreu is here. And that was it. It was grand opening, grand closing for uh, August Abreu and a bunch of singles, but that's not what the White Sox pay Jose Abreu for. They hit him, they pay him for those extra base hits and especially the ones that go over the wall. And it's just disappointing. I mean, it's a symptom that's permeating throughout the team. So not just Jose Abreu. They this team mostly largely does not hit balls over the fence. They've have 111 now for the season after hitting what the five in the last two games. Yeah, I mean. They've hit five in the last two games. That's been good to see. I mean, Elvis Andrews turning and burning on that one was awesome to see on someone uh, just recognizing a fastball and just being able to you know flip their hips like that. That was great. Uh, I loved Stephen uh, Nicholas's uh, you know kind of flabbergast look when AJ Pollock hit an opposite field home run today. <laughs> uh, that was great. It was great to see Gavin hit those two home runs. But you know, four of the five home runs. Two from Gavin Sheets, one from AJ Pollock, and one from Elvis Andrews. Like Andrew Vaughn, where are you at? Yeah, Jose Abreu, where are you at? I understand Aloy had one, but Aloy, where are you at? Like these are not the guys that you should be relying on for power. If you're maybe Gavin, I mean he's been in the lineup. uh, August August Abreu has been in the lineup every day in August, and for him to hit only two home runs in any month is ridiculous. But for him to hit it in his special month is piss poor. I know he's not. Not trying to hit home runs, but there's got to be something to it. And everybody looks back and talks about Frank Minichino, you know, fuck the home run. As we've uh, highlighted, that was said about something specific and it's taken out of context. But something's happening with this White Sox team where they're not seeing the ball and not being aggressive on on hitters counts. And uh, I was watching Brian Kenny on the MLB Network yesterday talking about how the White Sox have one of the highest chase rates in the league but also they don't walk any and they don't hit for power. If you're going to have a high chase rate like the Atlanta Braves do, at least hit a couple over the fence. The White Sox are very low in home runs and very low in doubles because they don't hit balls that are center-center, middle-middle, in pitchers or hitters counts. They're chasing balls that the pitchers want them to do, and that's why they pretty much struggle with bases loaded because pitchers need to know, or they only know, that the White Sox will chase pitches, their pitches, and ground them into double plays and get out of the inning quickly. So Jose Abreu, being the leader of this team, only having two home runs in the month of August is a failure. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to call him a failure for this month, but he is. Well, it's, it's, it's I mean, I, I don't think that it's too harsh to call him a failure just because, again, he's had an OPS over 800 and every other, you know, year in, in the month of August. This one, you know, just came a little bit short. But I want to go into the full 2022 stats because you're not wrong. I mean, the power has absolutely fallen off in 29 games in 2022 in August, 123 plate appearances, 111 at-bats, 37 hits, again, very, very good, but only four extra base hits. Oof. 33 singles. singles, okay? 
a very valuable piece to any team. He is still hitting 333, 390, 405. But the main thing is two doubles, two home runs, only 12 runs batted in. Um, the, the K to walk ratio isn't bad, 24 Ks to eight walks. But again, it's mainly that power. And, you know, you talked about the great thing from Brian Kenny. Um, absolutely the fact that they are chasing as much as they are. They're not walking. They're not being that team. I, I mean, Josh Nelson, I think, brought it up on Twitter spaces today. You'll see a guy draw a nine-pitch walk, and then the next guy's first pitch swinging. Um, and I think part of it, too, is they're really not understanding what the ball has done. Jose Abreu has the highest opposite uh, field hit percentage since 2017 in his career. Uh, it's at 26.5%. In 2019, it was up to 26. And then 2017, it was at 27.7%. The White Sox, as a team, pushed the ball to the opposite field. The tied for the most uh, in the major leagues at 27%, tied with the Philadelphia Phillies. That's the main issue. You're not walking. You are only hitting singles, and you putting the ball in play is good, but also you are have you have a slow team. A lot of, so, and you hit a lot of ground balls. Exactly, and you're hitting a lot of double plays. So if you get a, a single, the next ball that it's a double play kind of erases it, um, right? So you're, you're not really able to move the line without putting your team at risk of getting out of the inning, right? Like, you know, the, the, the great thing about a single, it could drive in a run, right, if there's a guy on third base and not a runner on second and third. Uh, the only way a walk's driving in a run is if the bases are loaded. Um, but still, like, a walk also won't lead to an out unless you're, who was that, Leary Garcia getting picked off? A third base? <laughs> third oh, base Jesus in Colorado? In Colorado. Oh, oh, man. God, it's giving me a headache right now. Golly. That's another thing. The White Sox are dumb on the bases. They get thrown out at home, which they did again today because they had the goddamn contact play on with the runner on second and third. So there's no reason for you to go anywhere. You have no chance to be forced out at home. Ball was hit solidly right to the shortstop who was playing in, and Josh Harrison runs right into an out. Like, what are we doing? What the hell are we doing right there? It's just dumb base rating, running mistakes like that. All the time, the Lurie Garcia one, the Yohan Mankata, Adam Engel one that led to the 8-5 triple play, the first ever in Major League history. They're a dumb baseball team. And so if you're not hitting the ball, and this is a, one of the main points that I think Joel Sherman made in that piece is that the White Sox weren't that good last year as far as fundamentals and right. base running, but they mashed. They hit home runs, and they had they they made their mistakes uh Minimal because they scored many runs. They had Yasmani Grandal, OPS in over 900. They had Yohan Mankata getting on it 38% of the time last year, even though the home run wasn't there. He was a pretty good, reliable switch hitter, and the glove was great. So they can't do that this year because no one's mashing. Well, and I mean, Andrew Vaughn's doing his damn hardest. I mean, Andrew Vaughn should have had a double, and Paul Correct brings up, what about Vaughn getting thrown out trying to get a double? Can we not credit him for a little bit of hustle here? I, You're watching Andrew Vaughn run for his life. This man is running like Herb trying to beat Yasmani Grandal's, yes. you know, 90-foot split. He is doing his hardest to get into second base. What I think of Andrew Vaughn is he is the kid that always got picked last in gym class, but everyone's surprised that he's a good athlete right he's not the fastest but he Small. can do everything well sure. he's a good baseball player good basketball player good football player probably decent hockey goalie right you could put Andrew Vaughn in any situation and I think that he would be able to succeed now you put him on a track and field you know uh meet he's not winning um if you're Leary not wrong, did that Alex. right now I would be killing him right now you're not that's wrong. not true if he hit a ball that went all the way to the wall off the gap 
A, Leary Garcia would be in at second base because he's very fast and he'd be safe. But if you are going to lead off the inning like that, I don't mind you you hustling. It's it's a White Sox player trying to hustle and get an, an extra base. I don't hate that. Michael A. Taylor made a good play, but we've also seen Michael A. Taylor this year make bad plays in the outfield. I don't mind that. He's just too fucking slow. Yeah, I I actually agree with Paul correct. I know it's shocking. Me and Paul usually are opposed, but I agree with him. You know your speed. Stop trying. Stop trying to do extra. You know that, you know, well, it, all, it doesn't take a necessary great throw to get him out. It was a good throw, not a great throw. Still, Michael Massey, uh, pride of Illinois, had to dive and get him out, and he was out by a good portion. So you know your own speed. Stop it first. You know, once you see that the guy fielded the ball correctly and he's about to throw it in, stop. Go back to first. Um, and Alex saying, Sean, it's okay to admit your bias towards Vaughn. You are. I'm kidding. Uh, he, is my, he, is, okay, he is my favorite current White Sox. But also, if that was my least favorite White I'm Sox. I'm literally wearing if, the shirt. If that was Leary Garcia. I'm literally wearing the shirt. What? Your favorite White Sox, and you disrespect my man Cy Cease? Yeah, he's my favorite. He's my favorite mm, White Sox. Okay. He my favorite White Sox. I didn't wow. say Herb's favorite. No, White I'm Sox. saying you, you, him or Quato, you, the, the Andrew Vaughn, Cease, Quato, Andrew Vaughn, Cease, Andrew Vaughn, Abreu, Cease, Ooh, wow, Tim Quato. The disrespect to I, who? To everybody. I'll say Cy Cease, Quato, then Andrew Vaughn. The disrespect to the man who won an MVP two years ago. It was a long time ago. Tim oh, said he's 30. Geez. I mean, uh, White Sox Tom said he's 35. Um, and, and As if that's an excuse. I guess that's the thing, too, from Tim Tam. Uh, the difference is Garcia's awful and Vaughn is actually good. It's, yeah. uh, Andrew Vaughn does get a pass because he's good at baseball. Um, Andrew, uh, Larry Garcia isn't hitting a double to the wall. Uh, he's <laughs> hitting home runs Andrew to get, Vaughn a, get a nice $16 million contract. Is hitting a double and getting thrown out at second see Andrew Vaughn hit a home run last year to get a $16 million contract. <laughs> He didn't hit too many, especially in uh, August and September. He had those weak weak legs, and that's probably why. Hey, they, they told him not to run you know, out <laughs> those, those bases, and that's why, because he's just too damn slow. Um, our guy Jake Flanagan had a point a I little bit him. earlier in the our chat. Our general manager, Jake Flanagan, still guy, in here? Taking, our time, taking time out of his day to, uh, to check out the little CHGO White Sox podcast. And Jake said, maybe you'll get September Abreu and the Sox to go 20 and 12 down the stretch. Highly unlikely, but un, not impossible. Or not impossible. Okay, maybe impossible. I think it's impossible. I'd be really surprised if in the next month the White Sox were eight games over 500. I just don't see that happening. There's some, you know credit to the week schedule but I don't believe in this team enough to be eight games over 500 I don't think they've had that good of enough of a a month yet this year I don't think so either I think they've been in 500 like three of these months um it's a like we said all the time and I was listening to Lawrence uh, Layla and Dan Bernstein on 600 score uh, and they were saying you know we keep on talking about the easy part of the schedule Imagine other teams like Baltimore is like, oh, the White Sox on the schedule? Let's eat. Come on. <laughs> let's go. White Sox time. But it's Kansas City, Minnesota, Seattle, Oakland, Colorado. Seattle is the only team in there that's going to be going to the playoffs for the most part. Then you play Cleveland. Then you play Detroit. And then Minnesota and San Diego to the end of the season. Those are not as kickingly great teams, but also the White Sox suck too. Right. And they're two games below 500. So the schedule is in their favor. Now they just need to play like the team that we thought they were going to be in April. That team will not hasn't showed up. And I don't believe they have a light switch to say, yeah, fuck it. 
Turn it on. Like Elvis Andrews thinks is the most talented team he's ever played with. Come on now. It'd be great. And, hey, Elvis Andrews, the 13th uh, leadoff hitter uh, this year for the White Sox that ties a franchise record set in 1976. I, I guarantee we're uh, going to break it by a lot. Yeah, thanks to uh, Chris Kampka for that one. Who's the next one? We've seen Romy. We've seen Yaz. We've seen Leury. We've seen Josh Harrison. We've seen Elvis. We've seen Andrew Vaughn. Is Gavin Sheets next? Jose no. Abreu. Give me it. Give me Jose Abreu as leadoff hitter. I mean, I'm trying to think of who hasn't. I mean, you said Yaz batted leadoff already? Yeah. All right, so they need to get a guy that's going to be called up tomorrow because they get to expand the rosters, I think, by two, but a hitter I, and a pitcher. So I'm pretty sure Lenin Sosa has already let he off. He already has, but, yeah. what do you, but what if it's not Lenin? What if they bring up Oscar Colas? They're not bringing up Colas. Why not? They're not bringing up Colas. That would be, that would be a move that you should make because what the hell do you have to lose, Rick Hahn? What do you have to lose? Nothing. Absolutely nothing to lose. But you're – so Colas has shown, at least so far in A to be a decent fielder. Um, he's played center, and I think he's played right. So maybe – An injection of it. offense that maybe wasn't there. And maybe he slows down in major leagues, which he probably will because it's a much tougher league than A. But why not? Everything else hasn't worked. You're not getting a lot of production from your outfield right now. Luis Robert is going to be on the IL forever, or not IL forever, but never never playing correctly. He's got the Benny Rodriguez pinch running and uh, <laughs> defensive replacement in the ninth inning. That's all he is. That's his career. We went from MVP votes from us beginning of the season to Benny Rodriguez. And making $12 million doing it. Um, Lenin Sosa has let off. Luis Roberts let off. Andrew Vaughn's let off, Moncada's let off twice, Harrison's let off three times, Romy three times, Leary four, Mendick six, Pollock 27, and Anderson 79. Oh, so you have, maybe bring up Ad, uh, Adam Hazley, or Hazley, whatever his name is. Purple Haze, I but I don't know if he bats he's on the team. He, he's batting him leadoff. I, I, again, I'm calling for it now. You see the numbers. Why wouldn't a guy with an OBP of 390 who's hitting 333 be your leadoff hitter? Abreu for the top of the order. Let's go. Come on. He's always hustling. He's not that. He's faster than Andrew Vaughn. He's faster than Grandall. He's not the slowest player on the team. He makes a hell of a con- he makes a hell of a lot of contact. Can make you know can can work accounts at the top of the order as well. Could set a franchise record. It could be historic year for the White Sox with 14 leadoff. And players. I think. Dan Bernstein said it correctly. Like, you have, or was it, I think maybe Josh uh, Nelson on his, uh, um, his spaces Twitter today. Space. He said, you have the loyalty of Jerry Reinsdorf. You should take advantage of that loyalty and know that you're never getting fired. So do some things out of the ordinary in this last month. Don't just keep on doing the same thing you've been doing for five months and hoping and praying that that team's going to show up. Break glass. Break the emergency glass and go and bring up Colas and say, kid, I'm sorry that we're starting your major league career right now and we're putting a lot of pressure on you, but here it is. Here it is. I don't even know if he's on the 40-man, so I don't even know if he can go he's to the playoffs. So, so that's probably you know, well, a moot point. I'm pretty sure if he was called up now, he would be eligible for the playoff roster. Okay. But he would need to be added to the 40-man and then – 
uh, signed and, and, and moved up. I, I, that report, I, I don't trust now because there was now another report. There was a report from some Mets reporter saying that the Houston Astros have reached out to Michael Conforto uh, and offered a two-year $30 million deal to try to get him on their roster before the playoff reason, uh, playoff series uh, roster or the September uh, rosters expand. Um, however, John Heyman has come out and said that the Astros have not contacted Michael Conforto. So I, I don't think Conforto is going to be added to a playoff team uh, yet. I think they probably just roll his free agency into 2023. Um, and it, also, too, like just going back to the Andrew Vaughn thing, why are we not blaming Daryl Boston for sending Andrew Vaughn? He knows how fast he is. Andrew Vaughn was running as fast as he can. It's not his job whether no. to know he is fast enough to get to second base. That is the first base coach's playing, job. No, playing baseball, you probably don't listen. You can't hear your first base coach. You're looking but you're at not, him. You're not really looking at him. You're looking at the ball. That's what he – out of the box, you're looking at the ball, and you're watching the ball. You're not looking at Daryl Boston, who's at first base. You're looking to touch the bag and ground it if you're going to go to second. So I don't give Daryl Boston that one. I will give him a lot because he's terrible at his job and uh, accused rapists. Allegedly. But I will not blame him for sending Andrew Vaughn. Andrew Vaughn's got to know his own speed. Like but some people need to know their own speed and not run outside on the gravel. You're not, hey, he doesn't know his own, uh, his own danger. You know, uh, Andrew Vaughn just doesn't know how fast he can be. Um, and go, going back to Jake's comment of 20, 20 and 12 uh, in the month of September, in April, the Sox were 8 and 12, May 15 and 12, June 12 and 15, July 16 and 11, and August 13 and 16. So I just don't feel it happening. Maybe they win five more games than they lose, but I just don't see it happening. After today, the Sox are 64 and 66 and five games back of the Guardians in first place. The Twins fall to one and a half games back after their loss against the Red Sox. So the 68 and 60 Guardians are in first place. The Twins are 67 and 62, one and a half games back of the Guardians in first place. And the Sox are in third place, 64 and 66, five games back. We will be with you tomorrow. It is going to be the White Sox versus the Royals, and we'll see if the Sox can win this three-game series. It's going to be Johnny Cueto versus Daniel Meg, we tried. We tried so hard to figure out how to say this because we're just double doubting ourselves. Megden, yes, Meg- that sounds right. But there's an N, so it's like Mengden. Mengden. It's there's too many consonants. Change M E N G D E N. Take that G out of there. The N G and D doesn't work for my brain. So Daniel Mengden. All right, that's a guy. That's a guy that's pitching. Former Oakland A pitcher. He's a right-hander. I don't know how long he's going to go. He has had starter stamina before, but this might be a guy that they try to get as many innings as he's they a possibly can out of him. It is a right-hander. Who's usually an opener? You, well, he's he's just kind of bad. Okay. He's just kind of a bad starter. He, oh. he hasn't made a start yet this year that sounds like for Kansas City, but he's made about 50 in his career. That sounds like six and two-thirds, two earned, 17 strikeouts versus the White Sox. And, hey, Jake Flanagan coming in here like Matthew Cortese saying, Quato no hitter tomorrow. Which I don't That'll know. Real hard for him. <laughs> hey, if it's true, Jake, you had it first. Anyways, that's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox postgame show. That is Herb Lawrence. That's you can me. follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's the CHGO White Sox community leader. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. I have kept him and Herb and Steven here way too long, so let's wrap this up. And we will be here at 1230 tomorrow for your pregame. We can see Quato Jake Flanagan versus Mendigan. tomorrow. We will see Jake Flanagan. We'll see the Cubs people. Ugh. They'll be in here for a day game as well. I'm, good. Uh, I'm kidding. I love them all. And we will have a postgame show for you uh, to recap the entire series and tomorrow's game. Game. White Sox Tom asking about another watch along. We'll try to figure something out. I don't know I what mean, we'll be doing. One, we haven't had one. 
We were they, we well, got washed out. We tried to do one, and God there was at guardians. least two plus hours of content for them. So uh, we will definitely try to figure out something uh, for a watch along, because uh, and hopefully we'll pick like the good game. You know, I mean, especially if that Minnesota stuff gets real tight at the end of the season, uh, well, you'll probably see a watch along. But uh, that's during the week too. The 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 Minnesota one is yeah. that Wednesday. Those are Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 7, Let's 7, go, 10, 7, 10, and 3, 10. Hey, Matthew Cortese is saying you can do one on Tuesday. Hey, only 19,000 people showed up today to the G-Rate. So there's a lot of people, a lot of Sox fans at home uh, probably waiting for some live watch-along content. So we'll get on it, all right? Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow for pregame at 1230. Appreciate all of you guys for hanging out with us. Thank you to Steven Nicholas for hanging out with us and producing the show. And thank you to Fleetwood Mac for their 1979 album, Tusk. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Go Sox.